Thank you so much. Stand with me, please, as we read a scripture together. Isaiah chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, then we're going to flip over to Acts chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. Isaiah chapter 4, beginning to read at verse fly, just landed on my chin. I got him. That's strange, isn't it? Right on my chin, right there. Chinny chin chin. Isaiah chapter 4, reading verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy. All who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of the spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over all the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and the rain. Acts chapter 2, beginning to read verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seated. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord enabled them. Lord, I pray this morning that we would see clearly. I pray, God, for clarity of thought as I try to present what you have placed upon my heart this week. I pray, God, we'd be quick to receive what the Word is saying to us. I pray, God, that you would just simplify our minds. Sometimes we, we, we have, our minds are just too complex. We try to understand more than we, more before we experience. But, Lord, you want us just to simply experience. And the more we experience of what you have for us, the more we will understand. Thank you, God, this morning for the promise given. Amen. You may be seated. This is uh, message number four in this series that I've entitled Pictures of the Holy Spirit. It's been a great, great journey, been a great adventure for me. I pray for you as well as I discover brand new things and also as there uh, becomes in my life a brand new hunger and a brand new thirst as I study again the, the Holy Spirit, His works in our church and His works in our lives. I share with you two messages on oil as a picture of the Holy Spirit and this is a second message on Fire as a picture of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday was kind of my intro into the picture of the Holy Spirit being fire. Pictures are very, very captivating. And that's why I began this series by talking to you about pictures and, and that they bring greater understanding to all of us. And the Bible is actually filled with picture after picture after picture after picture. Because we know that when we see these pictures that are presented to us in the Bible, they bring a greater understanding to us. Jesus one time was on a journey. One of his trips, he got tired. John chapter 4, we read about this story. He gets tired, so he takes a seat by a well. He just doesn't sit there because, well, it's a place to rest. Of course, it was that too. But he knew that coming along would be somebody, would be a lady. And this lady's going to have a pot, and she's going to want to draw water from that well. And so he says, what? 
This is going to be a golden opportunity. I'm going to explain to her that this water that she's going after, really, she needs to receive the water that I want to give her. And so it's a picture. It was a great picture. So she comes and, and she has her drawing pot. She's ready to draw water. And she says, well, you don't have any glass. You don't have a, anything to draw water from. Jesus said, I'm hung thirsty. Can you give me some water? And then he goes to talk to her, goes on to talk to her about him being the living water. He began to whet her appetite, began to create a thirst within her. And she said, I want the water. And he said, the water I give you is going to be like a gusher. It's going to be like a spring that's going to come up within you and it'll transform your life. Well, it transformed her life. She went back to the community. You read on chapter 4 of John down to around verse 40 in the following verses. She went back to her community and she began to share with her friends began to share with her people about this man that knew everything about her. And they came running, and because of her testimony, many came to faith in Jesus, just because it was a simple picture of a well. Simple, simple glass of water. Water explaining the life that Jesus Christ gives. Pictures are very, very captivating. And they help us in the understanding process in our lives. Pictures are mighty. Last week, I, I introduced you to the fire as a picture of the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. Isaiah 4, verse 4 spoke about, he said, the, the spirit of burning, Isaiah said. Acts chapter 2, we read of the Holy Spirit coming down upon people as fire. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, Paul said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And with, of course, fire comes with that. You and I were made for God's fire. We are to be a walking fireplace. God wants to burn within us over and over again. So last week, I introduced that to you. And, and this week, I want to share with you three points regarding three things the Holy Spirit as fire does in us. And the first one is this. Our, the fire of the Holy Spirit purifies. Purifies us. Our world today is into purification. We're filtering everything. Sometimes to the furthest extremes, I think. But we always want to make sure that we're pure. So we're purifying our water. We want to purify purity in the air that we breathe. Some people walk around with masks on because they don't want to breathe in pollution. We're into purity, aren't we? We want to purify our lakes and our rivers. We want purity in our crops. And so there's organic crops, which they've said recently aren't too organic or pure because they're polluted. Because nothing is pure. And they did tests on organic foods. And they said it's not as pure as you think it is. But we even have filters in our cars or cabin air filters. And they're just behind your glove box. We want to make sure that the air coming in is filtered and pure and clean. And there's even, even different kind of scents that you can get in these filters to make sure. Did you know? How many knew that you had one behind your glove box? Check it out right now. Some, oh, you did. I thought I was sharing with you something new. Some of you do. Some of you be checking. Some cars don't have them, but some do. Purity. So we're into purity. What about this temple of ours? How do you purify our lives? How do you purify this body of ours if we're into so much purity in our world? What about this human being? See, when the fire of the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, they were not the same. I mentioned to you before that I grew up in Pentecost. I grew up in 
the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada denomination, the Pentecostal Church. I heard a lot about Acts chapter 2. It's a, it's a passage that we recited and we knew well. And so I read it over again. But last week I, want, I read it again. God, even though I know this, I can recite it. I have it to, to memory. Lord, show me something new from this passage. And so I just read it again, read it again, read it again, and read it again. And meditated upon it. But here's what I saw. I saw that Acts chapter 2 After that, they were not the same. And particularly, I began to think about Peter. Peter is transformed by that fire. He immediately, as you know, goes out and he starts preaching. But here's what he says in verse 40 to the people, to the audience. He says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And when I thought about that word corrupt generation, I said, Peter, you know exactly what you're preaching about. Because you've been there. You know what it's like to be persuaded by the corrupt community. A generation to be following the crowd because you were there one time. But see, purity had set in Peter. The fires of the Holy Spirit came into his life, burned up off the old dross and the garbage. And, and he says, now, audience, cleanse yourself, he said, and save yourself from this corrupt generation. Verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the teachings of the word. The word is what changed them. They are devoted to understanding more about the Bible and saying, I want to be doers of the word. That's why the overflow was awe, the Bible says, and many wonders and miraculous signs. The fires of purity came in and the fire of the supernatural came out. And there was a pocket there, a season of great revival. And then who could ever forget Isaiah's experience in Isaiah chapter 6? It was in the temple that he said, I got a picture of Jesus. I got a picture of the Lord. He's high and he's lifted up. And surrounding him was worship and praise. And the temple was filled with smoke. And you know where there's smoke? There's got to be somewhere a fire. Suddenly, Isaiah had that, had that naked feeling. Ever had that naked feeling before? He had that exposed feeling. Now, he didn't feel a cold draft. But he felt... The heat of fire. He felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the presence of the Holy Spirit has a way of doing that to us. That we feel naked. We feel exposed. We may be fully clothed. But when the presence of God begins to move in our lives, and it might be in a worship service, it might be standing by your by looking in the mirror, but you'd have this exposed feeling when the presence of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You just feel naked. Well, Isaiah had that feeling. He felt the heat. He was aware of surrounding pain. Isaiah was aware of not just surrounding filth or pain, but Isaiah was also aware of inner dust and dirt. He was aware that it can collect in your life, just like it collects on your furniture or collects on your car. And you got to clean it off. Isaiah was aware of the dust and dirt. He was aware of physical battles and struggles with his flesh. He was aware of his shortcomings. He was aware of his pains of trying to master the tongue. James says the tongue is a powerful, powerful thing. It's hard to get control over it. And Isaiah knew that that this tongue at times says things it shouldn't say. He was aware of all those things. And so everything was boiling to the surface here. The heat was on. 
the heat was up and for a reason. Good, pure reason. God didn't beat him up. If that's your picture you have of God, change your picture. It's not the picture I have of God. God didn't beat him up. God didn't club him to the ground. God didn't shove him aside. God didn't blot him out. God didn't say, you're finished, you're washed up, you're no good, you're miserable, you're, you're dirty, you're, you're filthy. No, God didn't do any of those things. But there was a nearby fire that was burning on the altar. And those coals were red hot. The word says that one of the seraphs or, or the, the celestial beings or angels took some tongs and picked up one of those hot coals and took it over and touched Isaiah's mouth. And these words were powerful words that were said to Isaiah. The words go like this, your guilt is gone and your sins atone. Don't you just love to hear those words from God? He says it to us over and over again. He says your guilt is gone. You know, the guilt that keeps us, holds us back from doing and being our best for God, for reaching our potential, for doing great ministry for the Lord. Our guilt. He said, your guilt is gone. I've erased that. He said, your sins are blotted out. Your sins are atoned for. Those are great releasing words. Then God went on to use Isaiah in a powerful, mighty way. The spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit purifies us when we need purification. Many of God's people are guilty of striving to get cleaned up and to be pure on their own. We do all the things we do to try and get pure. We have a system sometimes of how to become pure. And it doesn't lead to victory. It leads to more pain. We're guilty of trying to gain the victory on our own without the fire. But Numbers chapter 31, verse 21 to 23, we read that after a victory, God's people would bring back gold, silver, bronze, iron, and lead. It all had to go through the fire for purification. The fire would burn off the dross and the garbage. And I'm just saying, we need to open up this temple of ours and allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to come in. Quit trying to do things on your own. Oh, it's good to obey the Ten Commandments. It's okay, good to the Golden Rule. All those things are great. But if we want to get pure and we really want to be set up for success with God and do great things for Him, what we have to do is if we want to get cleaned up, pray to be burned out. God has sent His Holy Spirit for a reason. We're going to come up short every time if we try to do it in our own. But we just have to find a spot somewhere, find a place, good places right here at this altar or somewhere else, but to find a place and call out to God and say, Lord, I want to get cleaned up. Pray for your tabernacle to be gutted by the Holy Spirit. Charred remains means brand new beginnings. The end of my street yesterday, there was a fire burning. Grass already being burnt. I drove by this morning. Not, actually, I walked by it last night, too, on my Saturday night, Saturday night walk. I walked by this charred, charred, blackened, sooted area. And it blackened by the fire. But I know what's coming next. I know that if the heat keeps on the way it is, and if we get some rain, I know that through that blackened top that I see is going to come sprouting through nice green grass. What a contrast it's going to be against the black. 
There's going to be nice green grass popping up. I'm saying that when you allow the Holy Spirit gut you and put his fire and his flame within you, he purifies you and it's brand new beginnings for you. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn us within us. Number two, the fire of the Holy Spirit unites us. Not only purifies us, but unites us. I love the story of Acts 2 because of the experience I read about and also because of the results. The experience and the result of the Holy Spirit. The believers, they were, they were like, they were super glued together. All of them were filled and all of them were united. The Holy Spirit was the, like the contact cement that brought them, the adhesive that brought them together. They stuck. If you read on in Acts chapter 2, down around verse 41, we read that it's rounded off to the numbers that were saved and baptized to be about 3,000 people. Saved and baptized. They believe, repented of their sins and baptized. Baptized in water? Yes, probably. Baptized in the Holy Spirit? You can be sure. So you read about this, this church that exploded. Suddenly they've got 3,000 souls. They've got a church body of 3,000 people. And if you read next to that in the headline in my Bible... It says that this way, the fellowship of the believers. So they were hit by the fire. The fire transformed them. Then we read about the fellowship of the believers. In verse 42, notice a devotion. The devotion they have is to God and to each other. Read on. I don't have time to read those rest of those verses of Scripture towards the end of Acts chapter 2. But you can, it defines and shows why, what they were doing as a result. The oneness, displaying oneness, sharing with each other, caring for each other, loving each other. They were united. No wonder the church grew. No wonder the church continued to spread like wildfire. It's because when they went and shared their faith, they looked back and said, yes, we believe what you're teaching us because we see it in action. You guys are one. You guys really love us. You love each other. You're not cutting each other's throats. You're not stabbing each other in the back as Christians, but you love each other. And yes, we want to be part of that fellowship. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the greatest sealer of the church body there is. You can't crack, you can't separate, you can't divide a church body that is full and overflowing with the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to be ignited by the same fire and be divided. Impossible. The fire will always melt us together. Why? Because fire will always burn away the dross. Fire will always burn away the, the garbage that we don't need in our lives Fire will always burn away the contentious issues and the differences that all of us have. Oh, the best way to fight against disunity is to have a prayer meeting. The best way to fight against disunity and, 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 a, and a, the potential for to be divided is call a prayer meeting. Let's pray together. Let's call for the fire of God's spirit to come down. And when the fire of God's spirit comes down, he takes care of business. And we end up embracing, even though we don't see eye to eye. Fire fuses and fire knits his church and his people together. 
When I was young, I used to go to visit grandma, which just lived across the street. Where I grew up, everybody lives on the same street that's related. Sometimes that's good, most times it's, sometimes it's not. But we're all, you know, we just build a house close by and we're all related. You can't go out of your driveway without someone seeing you go. I'd go visit my grandma. Whenever I'd go see my grandmother, I'd always notice she's knitting. I thought that's all she ever did was knit. Knit, knit, knit. So she'd say, Gary, here, get a couple of these needles and I'll show you how to knit. I tried. I didn't like it. I said, Grandma, I got to go find a mechanic. I wanted some wrenches. Give me two wrenches. But she's always knitting. And I noticed as she knit, she would weave in so many different types of yarns. All different kinds, different colors, different weights. And then when she was all done, I had a brand new pair of socks for Christmas. When she was done, someone would have a nice big sweater. One. All knit together. And there's nothing like the fire of the Holy Spirit that knits us together. In Acts, we read that they were bound together. They experienced, listen, here's what they experienced. They experienced healings. They experienced signs and wonders as well as opposition and persecution. They faced the good. They faced bad. But through all that, they were together. They were knit. On Easter Sunday morning, two disciples, Luke 24 gives us the account. They're, they're, they're walking to Emmaus and they didn't know that Jesus Christ had been resurrected from the grave and he draws near to them and they don't know it's him yet. But he begins to open up and expound the scriptures to him. And after they've had that encounter with the Lord of Lords, here's what they said to each other. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us in the way, as he opened up the scriptures? I want you to know there was a common fire that was burning within them, a common fire that knitted them together. The fire brings us together. What happens when two metals are put together in a fire? They're melted. They come out as one. The fiery flames of the Holy Spirit is the agent that unites. Thirdly and lastly, the fire of the Holy Spirit not only unites us, but also it empowers us. In reading Acts chapter 2, again this past week, a couple of things come to mind. All they did was obey the words of Christ. All they did was believe and expect. All they did was gather a few saints together and say, hey, do you want to gather together and have a prayer meeting? All they did was call upon God, Lord, send your promise. All they did was set their time schedules aside and lay their watches at the door and say, as long as it takes, it doesn't matter. We're here to meet with God. We're here to, to receive the promise. All they did was put their hunger and thirst on display. All they did was open up their lives and their hearts. All they did was sing together, I'm sure. I surrender all. I surrender all. That's all they did. And the rest is carved into our Pentecostal history books. Acts chapter 2 happened. The fire of the Holy Spirit fell from the heavens. And they said it looked like tongues of fire. Or I would say ribbons of fire. Their tongues were ablaze and they spoke in another language. A language that they had no clue what they were 
speaking an unlearned language. The Holy Spirit gave them the words and fed the rhythm of, rhythm of words to them. Must have been quite a time they had. But let me go on to say that this is much more than an experience to frame and to hold dear to their hearts. This was much more than a great memory that they could treasure in their minds. Much more than a great story that they could tell their grandchildren. I was there. Remember when I read the story and I I know what it's like. I got it then. Much more than that. See, this word would change their everyday lives forever. Transform them. And I want you to know this is after salvation. After they received Christ, then came the fire of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Another change came. And Jesus told them, he said, but you receive power. I know you're going to need power. I know you're going to need all the assistance that there is to get you through this world. With all of its persuasions and temptations and corrupt corruption. And he said, and he said, there's a world that needs to hear the message. So he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be a testimony and a walking witness for me. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to go. We were born, the church was born with missions as an emphasis. The church was not born in the upper room to stay there. Okay, I got 120. Seal them in. The Holy Spirit came down to send them out. And it's been that way ever since. The only time it hasn't been that way is when we didn't get it right and we missed the mark. I grew up in Pentecost. I grew up in the Pentecostal denomination. I grew up hearing Acts 2 all over and over again. I grew up hearing the promises for you. The older I got, the more I discovered that sometimes in Pentecostal churches we veered away from the Pentecostal experience. Meanwhile, as we veered away from the Pentecostal experience, other churches, other denominations that one time were so opposed to Acts 2 are grabbing a hold of it and say, hey, hey, and they're preaching it and they're receiving the power and they're doing great things for the Lord. And I'm saying the experience is still for today. Acts chapter 2. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to share their faith and advance the work of the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit empowered them to love the unlovable and the difficult people, the most difficult people out there in the world. The Holy Spirit empowered them to love them. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to face the pain of get this persecution and opposition. The power to go through that triumphantly. Or the fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to 
to build and to grow and to organize rapidly growing churches. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to walk through open doors to pray for people and expect miracles and signs and wonders. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to live with a proper perspective on life and material wealth. They held it loosely in their hands. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them not to sweat the small stuff. Somebody got it right in the book recently and they said, and it's all small stuff. They didn't sweat it. We're here for a time to share to others Jesus Christ. We're not here to set down anchors. We're just passing through. So as we pass through, we're empowered to do the work of missions. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to live pure and holy lives in a filthy world. The fire of the Holy Spirit empowered them to die with the certainty of spending eternity with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I've just about covered it all. Isn't that just about the, every aspect of life that you can imagine? They had it right. They did it right. How many think we still need that empowerment today? I still need that empowerment. And don't ever think that this Pentecostal experience was reserved for the early disciples. It's just not true. Don't ever think that you can't receive the same gift today. If you and I face the same issues and the same difficulties as they did and we do, then we still need the same power to make it through. Don't ever shortchange your Christianity and your Christian life. Don't ever stop the journey. Don't ever stop the growth. God says there's more, there's more, there's more. I saved you, but now I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. I want to give you the power that you need to be victorious and triumphant. I want you to get through the rough days. It's very simple. We've made a complex, Acts chapter 2. We've made debates over it. My mind is so simple. Really, it is. I just believe what God says and go for it. That's all. What if we just simplified it? Don't ever think it's just for then. So let's just pray for each other. See what happens. Oh, let's just know that tongues are for today and let's see what happens. Let's just pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and see what happens. Let's just call on Jesus to give us our prayer language and see what happens. When I was young, we called it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it meant that you were submerged or dipped into the Holy Spirit. All I know is I still have the same needs as the early disciples had. All I know is that the same promise Christ gave them, he still gives to us today because Acts 2 and 39 says, it's for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. I want my children and their children to hear about this power that the baptism will give them. All I know is that there's still people in the world that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And God says, I send this fire to you so you're empowered to share Jesus Christ. And there are many that still don't know Jesus and they live right in our city. I can prove it to you. I've spoken to them at the Winter Fair 
when I've gone there to share the beads ministry. And I've talked to one for sure that said, I've never heard about Jesus. And they live in Manitoba. Never heard about Jesus. That is just not fair. They heard about Jesus that day. So there's still a need for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of fire. So we're empowered to do the work of the ministry. I like what I read in the book of Acts. I like the Acts of the early disciples. I like their actions. Fill them up, and let's go to it. That's what they did. So all I'm saying as I conclude to you today is let's just be open to receive this gift today. Stand with me. I said earlier that we have an altar here at this church. I love altars because I love what they represent. We sang this morning about the altar. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. We're on the altar. Consume the sacrifice. I love what altars represent. And I figure when we come to church, there's an altar here. We might as well use it. And you can find an altar anywhere during the week, but there is one here. And why not, as we conclude the service today, if you would like prayer, you'd like to receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit, as we call it. You want to be filled with fire and power. Maybe you're guilty of trying to do things on your own, and you know it's not working. You just want to invite the fire to come in, to burn up the dross and the garbage, and you just want to relax and allow Him to fill you. That's what we're here to lead you into today. So as we sing a concluding song, I invite you, if you'd like to be prayed for, just like they were in the book of Acts, laid hands on each other and prayed, receive the Holy Spirit. And we'd be glad, privileged to lead you in that this morning. If you'd like to take that step, just step out and come to the front. First, we're going to ask the prayer teams to come ready here to receive you and to pray for God to do something mighty and great in your life.
Well, as we come to the end of another service, thank you again for your word that is so quick and so powerful and so mighty. Thank you for clarity that we have been experiencing lately. Pray, God, for my friends as we go our ways this week that we go desires to be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. May that be a prayer that's upon our lips this week. Fill us, God. Set us ablaze for you. Change us, God, just like you changed those early disciples. We'll be quick to give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you. Amen. Amen. If you still like to receive ministry, just feel free to come forward this morning.